Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Hey, I got a good friend of mine named Ron Walborn. Ron and I sit on the board directors for our denomination together, and uh, we get to serve in that way and try and keep each other out of, out of trouble at those meetings. And Ron is the dean of Alliance Theological Seminary in Nyack, New York. He's done that. He's been the dean for 10 years, pastored in Connecticut, pastored in Redding, California, and he's speaking to us on this Pentecost weekend. So would you welcome Ron as he comes and shares God's heart with us? Well, good morning, Salem. Last night uh, before the service, Kara asked me, are we your favorite West Coast church? (laughs) And I mean, that's a tough question because I pastored a church in Reading for 10 years. But uh, yeah, this week you guys won. Um, Let me tell you why, okay? I don't want you to think I'm too deep. Um, Your pastor took me fly fishing on the Deschutes River. Yeah! So, so yeah, this is my favorite church now. <laughs> Might even start sending my tithe check out here. I just love you guys. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've had a great time and uh, always a joy to be with you. Very gracious church. I love the vision that you have here, and it's exciting to be with you. Uh, when I was pastoring in Reading at a church called Risen King, uh, we had a really strong men's ministry. Uh, it was kind of right after the Promise Keepers era. Some of you remember the Promise Keepers movement. And <clears throat> the men of our church were very uh, intentional about discipleship. And they noticed in our church during that season that we had a lot of young men, uh, 12, 13, 14-year-age uh, boys, that did not have strong father figures. And so the men of the church developed some discipleship materials They trained uh, some of the fathers how to do discipleship with their boys. Those boys that did not have fathers, they made sure they had mentors assigned to them. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, and they really spent about 12 weeks just pouring into that age group. And then we closed out that uh, season of discipleship with a men's retreat where we brought the boys along. And we called this men's retreat Boys to Men, B-O-Y-Z to Men. (laughs) We stole it from the singing group, I know. And, uh, and, and we went off and uh, did some seminars with them, how to be a godly man, how to be a man of purity, how to be a man of integrity, uh, how to be a man with a work ethic. Uh, we also, you know, shot archery and skeet and all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, the last night of that retreat, we did a rites of passage ceremony for the young men. And the way we did this is we had the men of the church line up in the front And they formed like a hall of honor is what they called it. The men stood facing each other. And then the boys would stand at one end. And then their father or their mentor would stand at the other end. And the father would say, Bryce Walborn, you are God's beloved son on whom his favor rests. Come forth into your destiny as a man of God. And that young boy would walk down that hall of honor and the men of the church would lay hands on him and pray over him and prophesy his destiny as a man of God. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was an incredible night, very powerful. Well, we're, we're doing this ceremony, and all of a sudden, one of the elders of our church came up to me, and he was a man about 80 years of age. Uh, John Barker was his name, incredible man of God, highly, highly respected. He had been a Marine uh, during World War II, had stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima, you know, a man's man, and a man of God. And he comes up to me, and he says, Ron, I want to walk down that hall of honor. 
And I looked at him and I said, John, come on, you've lived an incredible life, you're a man of God, everybody respects you, you don't need to do that. And he goes, no, no, no. And he got a little angry. He said, God's not done with me yet. There's a new season that I have uh, coming and I need fresh anointing, I want more of God. And he started to weep. And I said, okay. And so John Barker stood at the end of that hall and I stood at the other end and I said, John Barker, you are God's beloved son on whom his favor rests, come forth into your destiny as a man of God. And this 80-year-old man with tears streaming down his face walked down that hall as the men of the church prayed over him. Well, that ruined everything. <laughs> because every man in the church said, well, if John got to go down the hall, I'm going down the hall. <laughs> and so every single man, we didn't get out of there until 2 o'clock in the morning, okay? Um, but that night was powerful, not just for the young men, it changed our church. It changed our church because... Suddenly, the men in our church began to follow John's example and said, God, you've got more for me. I want fresh anointing, a fresh touch for this season. You see, I think the danger for all of us, folks, is we get stuck. We get stuck in our relationship with God. We, you know, we get saved, we get baptized, and then it's almost as if we stop growing. Uh, there was a man uh, in my church growing up, when I was a little guy, my dad was a pastor, and we'd have you know, testimony meetings on Sunday night, and there was a guy in the church, an older man, who was always grumpy, and he didn't have a very good disposition at all, and, but every testimony meeting, he would stand up and say, I praise God that 35 years ago I was saved and sanctified and baptized, and I always wanted to add in petrified, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't want to be judgmental, but I'm just this little guy, and I'm watching this guy going, I don't know what he has, but I don't want it. <laughs> Again, I'm sure he had an incredible moment with God 35 years ago, but listen, you can't live on 35-year-old anointing. God has something fresh. God has something new. The story of Pentecost is not just a story about what God did then. It's what he wants to do now. You see, Ephesians 5 says that every single believer is to be being filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. You see, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, refers to that verse and he says, look, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a fresh way every day because I leak. And, and the truth is we're supposed to leak. We're supposed to leak the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God over everyone we meet. So today on Pentecost, I want to look at a survey of the progression of the filling of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Now, relax. I'll get you out of here close to noon, so I won't keep you too late. But I want to start by looking in the Old Testament where there's a story of Moses crying out to God for fresh power. And, and God answers him. And the reason I want to start in Numbers chapter 11 is that sometimes I think when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we assume the Holy Spirit is only active in the New Testament. But again, remember, the Holy Spirit is fully God, part of the Trinity. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are co-equals in glory, all worthy of our worship and adoration. And the Holy Spirit was incredibly active throughout the Old Testament. And in Numbers 11, we find this amazing story of Moses getting frustrated with the children of Israel. He's, he's led them out of Egypt. They're in the desert now on the wilderness wanderings. And, and he's getting frustrated with all their whining, with all their complaining. And so he has a conversation, which is what we call prayer, with God. Look with me at verse 10 of Numbers 11. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. And the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, 
Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you have put the burden of all these people on me? Now, if you've been in leadership for longer than 10 minutes, you've prayed this prayer, okay? <laughs> and, and again, some of you might say, well, I've never been in leadership, but if you've been a, a father, you've been a mother, you know what it is to carry the burden of a family. And you know what it is to cry out and say, oh God, I don't know if I can take it anymore. Well, there's good news, because the Holy Spirit has come to help us carry the burden. And Moses goes on, and he gets very honest, and, and he even gets sarcastic with God. I love this. It, it, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, so I, I know it's okay to be honest with God and talk this way. But Moses says, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. <laughs> you ever pray that prayer? Okay. <laughs> Don't answer, Lord. Okay. Uh, if I have found favor in your eyes, God, if you really like me, don't let me face my own ruin. He's saying, Lord, this is so painful, this is so difficult, just take me home. But that's not the solution the Lord has. The Lord has a better solution. And, and I love what God says to him in the next verse. He says, bring me 70 of Israel's elders, Moses, who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people, and have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Holy Spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Okay, principle number one to remember about the Holy Spirit is that he is given to help you carry the burden of leadership. You see, you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to accomplish your life in your own strength. God has power, fresh anointing, fresh power for every single one of us. I mean, how many of you have ever believed the lie, God only gives you just what you can handle? No, no, no. God gives you more than you can handle always. Why? Because he wants you to come to the place where you say, oh God, I can't do it without you. And when you get to that place of saying, like Moses, God, I can't do it. I, I can't carry this. Uh, that's when he loves to step in and say, I have more for you. And friends, the message of Pentecost is God's got more for you. Well, look what happens next. So God takes of the Spirit. Moses tells the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 other elders, and he had them stand around the tent. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, and they continued to do so. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Now, catch this. These two guys were part of this group, but for whatever reason, they didn't show up at the meeting. Now, this is the most important meeting of their life, and they miss it. And I have no idea why. The text does not tell us if they slept in. It doesn't tell us if they were afraid. But here's the graciousness of God. Even though they didn't make the meeting, the Spirit rests on them also. And they began to prophesy inside the camp. Now, what happens next is pretty profound. Because there is a young man that runs out of the camp, and he says, Moses, Eldad and Medad, who didn't even show up for the meeting, they got the Holy Spirit too, they're prophesying in the camp, 
And then Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, make them stop. All right, now, there's two contrasts in leadership here. You've got Joshua, who was Moses' aide. Now, keep this in mind. In this era, the Holy Spirit was only given to one old Jewish man, Moses. And then he had a sidekick, an aide, that Joshua had been with him, and he was next in line. And so when Moses departed this life, Joshua was to get to the spirit, the spirit that was on Moses, and he was to continue leadership. The spirit was given exclusively to this one man and then his sidekick. Well, all of a sudden, Joshua sees this happening, and these 70 guys get in line in front of him. Not only the 70, but two of them didn't even show up, and they still got the spirit. And now Joshua's like, hey, this is getting out of control. We need to calm this down right now. And there are some leaders that are always saying, stop it, stop it, make it stop. But you know what? Moses is the kind of leader we want to model. Because in response to that, Moses says to Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? And of course, the answer to that, if Joshua were to answer, would be to say, actually, no, I'm jealous for my sake because I thought I was next in line. But then listen to Moses' heart. I love this, and I, and I think this is a prayer. Moses says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them is what he's saying. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Now folks, this makes a shift in the progression of the Holy Spirit because it shows the movement from exclusivity to inclusivity. That it's not just gonna be for Moses, it's not just going to be for one older Jewish man, but it's starting to spread out to the 70, and then we find out from the prophet Joel that God plans to take this even further. I mean, if Joshua thought this was getting out of control in Numbers 11, wait till he hears what Joel has to say, because Joel, in the nation of Judah, several hundred years later, says this, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So not just one man, not just the 70 elders, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now friends, you have to understand if you are a Jewish person in the nation of Judah and this prophet comes along, this is way outside your comfort zone. No, 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 the spirit only goes to the king to the priest, to the prophet. They're the only ones that get it. But Joel comes along under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and he says, no, 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 this thing is gonna move from exclusivity to inclusivity. I'm gonna pour out my spirit. There's coming a day when it's gonna be the young, it's gonna be the old, it's gonna be the men, it's gonna be the women, it's gonna be all God's people. I, I said in the last service, uh, I think we need to acknowledge that our children do not get a junior Holy Spirit that the Spirit is being poured out on our kids right now. At our church in, in Reading, every, once every three months, we would let the kids listen for God and, and ask the Lord who they were supposed to pray for, and then we would bring the kids in and let them do a ministry time with our church. We had some amazing healings when we let the kids pray for us. Why? Because what Joel prophesied has come to pass. The Spirit is being poured out. There's a progression from exclusivity to inclusivity. Well, then we get to the New Testament, and we see Jesus with the disciples. And this is right after the resurrection. This is right after Jesus has told them, look, I'm going away, 
It's for my good, or your good, that I'm going away because the Holy Spirit is going to come. And in John 20, uh, this is after the resurrection, before the ascension, he meets with them and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And, and how is that? Well, I'm going to send you in the power and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and he says to them, and when you go out, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. He's in essence saying, guys, this is the beginning of the new covenant era, the church era. I am launching you into the new covenant in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, a few weeks after this, he appears to them again. And, and when he appears to them, it's recorded in Acts chapter 1. Now, remember, he's already breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. And now in Acts chapter 1, he says, all right, guys, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, you know, again, I wasn't there, but I want to imagine for a minute the conversation that went on between the disciples. Because Jesus has already breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, a few weeks later, he's saying, hey, guys, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So I think Peter's sitting there, and he, he turns to John, and he goes, hey, John, he's saying we're not to go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes upon us. What, what happened in John 20? I know John 20 wasn't written. I actually went to seminary too, okay? Uh, but what happened, you know, when that happened in John 20, when, remember he, he breathed on us, said receive the Holy Spirit? And I think John's like, um, you know, I don't have it all figured out theologically. That's why I'm going to wait about 40 years before I write my gospel. Um, that, and I also want to refer to myself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And I'm going to wait till you guys are all dead so you can't argue with me about that, Okay. He says, so I don't have it all figured out, but here's what I think Jesus is saying. Don't ever grow content and satisfied in what happened in the past, but always be leaning in saying there's going to be more. I really sense that what Jesus wants us to do here, uh, Peter, is to say, Lord, we want everything you have for this mission that you have for us. Because if you notice the Holy Spirit is not just poured out to help you carry the burden of people, but the Holy Spirit is also poured out to help you carry the mission of God. See, folks, listen to me. There are people in your life that only you can carry the love of God and the mission of God to. They may never come to church. They may never hear Pastor Steve. They may never get to a place where somebody from the staff can reach them, but you receive the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to carry the mission of God to the people that he loves. And the Holy Spirit has been given to every Christian to be empowered for that purpose. And certainly, and please keep this in mind, it's not exclusively the property of the staff or the elders or certainly men, but it's the young, it's the old, it's the men, it's the women, it's all God's people have been called to experience this fresh filling. Now, right after this happens, Acts chapter 2 comes about. Acts chapter 2, uh, incredible passage. Look what happens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, friends, I love this passage. We love this passage. This is kind of the Shazam wowie moment of the empowerment of the early church. But it's not the only empowerment of the early church. If you read a couple chapters from there in Acts 4, these same people get filled with the Holy Spirit again. And this time, it doesn't say anything about the place shaking. It doesn't say anything about tongues. It says they were filled with joy. It says they preached with boldness. Um, And so what I want to suggest is the Holy Spirit being poured out on people doesn't always look the same as it did before. So sometimes I think Acts 2 works against us because we're expecting this shazam, wowie, you know, we want to flop and drop and shake and quake and we want to feel the mighty rushing wind and the tongues of fire and the Shibata Honda moment, you know. You'll, you'll get that later. Um, <laughs> and and, and we, want, we want that. But sometimes the Holy Spirit is just coming like a gentle dove resting on our shoulder. And sometimes it's not a mighty rushing wind It's just the quiet whisper of his presence calming us and bringing us his peace. And what I want to argue is whether he comes like Acts chapter 2, mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire, or whether he comes like a gentle dove and a quiet whisper, it's all him. And sometimes we get so enamored with the way he did it before that we miss the way he's doing it now. Let me give you an example. Um, In my church, we have three services on Sunday morning, just like you guys. And it's in the East Coast, it's, it's in New York. And so um, it's our family's practice to always go to either the first service or the second service. And there's a reason for that. Because the pastor, who's one of my best friends in the whole world, and he knows I'm telling this story, and he forgives me, because I regularly send in my tithe check, okay? <laughs> um, I always go to the first or second service because in the third service, he knows there's no fourth service coming. See, she knows. (laughs) And what happens is when a pastor knows there's no fourth service coming, like this one, he preaches a little bit longer, okay? Well, the reason on the East Coast why I don't go to the third service is because um, our football games start at 1 p.m., And I am a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I mean, it's God first, family, Steelers, okay? Black and gold, all right. Okay? And uh, so that's, that's just, I I know if I go to the 1130 service, there's no way I'm getting out in time for kickoff, all right? So this one Sunday, a couple falls ago, I couldn't get my family motivated to get up. And we were running late. And sure enough, we end up at the 1130 service. And the Steelers have the kickoff at 1. And I went to church that Sunday with a really bad attitude. Did you ever go to church with a bad attitude? Steve just nodded his head yes, okay. (laughs) Well, I I, I went to church and I I put my hands in my pocket and I was not happy. I was ticked at my family. I was not, I was was angry in advance for our our pastor preaching too long. And, uh, And worship begins. And I, you know, I am not lifting my hands. I am putting my hands in my pocket, and that's where they're staying. And I'm, I just have a bad attitude. And then our worship leader gets all anointed, and he starts repeating verses, okay? <laughs> I could sing of your love forever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, he's just going on, okay? And I, oh my God, this is horrible. 
So I'm standing there, I'm just complaining. And all of a sudden, I look up at my wife. And my wife is standing there, and she's got her hands out, and she's got tears streaming down her face. And I look past her, and my daughter's over there, and she's literally trembling. God's presence is coming over her. And I went, oh, Lord, you're here. (laughs) (sighs) And then I remembered those verses about don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And I begin to repent, and I begin to say, Lord, your presence is worth more than anything else. And I looked around that morning, and I saw that in our church that there were people that were beginning to to sense the presence of the Lord, the baptism of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, God's presence just coming. And it wasn't Acts 2, it wasn't Shazam, wow, it wasn't mighty rushing wind. But friends, I want to tell you something. I believe that when there's a tipping point of God's people gathered together and they welcome the Holy Spirit, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit dips his toe in the water of our worship and says, ah, they want me. I'm gonna come fill Salem Alliance. I'm gonna come wash over them. I'm gonna bring healing. I'm gonna bring love. I'm gonna bring mercy. I'm gonna bring forgiveness. And we receive everything that he has. See, I think it's possible to experience fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Well, Peter doesn't stop at just that experience. He says later on in the chapter, he gets up and he says, look, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. In other words, they noticed something was happening. When God's people get filled with the Holy Spirit, Salem's gonna notice. It's going to make an impact, not just on church people, but the whole community is going to be affected. And these people were noticing something has changed in them. And and Peter says, look, these people are not drunk with wine, as you suppose. No, no, no. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And again, I want us to get shirts made that say, it's 9 o'clock somewhere, (laughs) Acts 2.15, okay? (laughs) And if you're laughing at that, it's because you not only go to church, you listen to Jimmy Buffett, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but, but Peter's saying, listen, the reason they're acting the way they are acting, the reason there's been a change, the reason there's joy is not because they're drunk on natural spirits, not earthly spirits. No, no. This is the spirit of God that's come upon them. And this is to fulfill What the prophet Joel said, that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people, exclusive to inclusive, sons and daughters, young and old, yes, and men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then he goes on and he says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, now catch this, because this is where we come into play. Now, he's speaking, and he says, this promise is for you who are here in this Acts 2 moment. But it's also, he says, for your children. In other words, this is not just for you, but it's going to come again to your children. And then he says this, and it's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That far off doesn't mean just geographical distance. I believe it means chronological distance. And he's, in essence, saying, this gift of the Holy Spirit It's not just for you that are here now. It's not just for your children, but it's for Salem, Oregon in 2018. They're a long way off, but the Spirit has been poured out for them as well. Now, the beauty of this is that when the disciples experienced this, they didn't hoard it. 
They didn't keep it to themselves. No, no, they understood that this wasn't just for the privileged few, that this is for all God's people. And this is a message for all God's people today. Let me show you one other passage, and, and then I'll close with a story. In Acts chapter 8, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Now let me pause here and say, you know, it's a stretch for the Jews to believe that the young are going to get the Spirit. It's a stretch for the Jews to believe that women are going to get the Spirit. But it's really a stretch for the Jews to believe that Samaritans are going to get the Spirit. Why? Because the Samaritans had intermarried with pagan people. They were not good Jews. They were getting their theology all messed up. They did not deserve this. And yet God loves to give his grace and mercy and his spirit to people who don't deserve it. And so the spirit came on the Samaritans. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing to keep in mind about this. Here's what they're saying. They had come to faith in Jesus they had received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for regeneration because it's not possible to be a Christian without the work of the Holy Spirit bringing regeneration. But you see, the disciples knew, the apostles knew, that your salvation and your baptism is not the pinnacle of your Christian experience. Now, it's great. Your salvation is amazing. But I got news for you. God's got more for you. Your testimony of God is not just gonna be about your, your salvation and your baptism, it's gonna be about how that opened the doorway to the things of God, and you're gonna spend the rest of your life unwrapping the beauty of a God who is infinite, who knows no limits, who wants to pour out his spirit again and again and awaken your mind and awaken your soul to the beauty of his presence again and again. God's got more for you. In 1986, my wife and I were getting ready to begin ministry. And I knew that we could not do it in our own strength. And I knew we needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we went to a meeting uh, in our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, where they were going to be talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this guy gave a message on the filling of the Spirit at this meeting. And this was in July of 1986. And I grabbed my wife by the hand and I said, Wanda, we're going forward. And we went to the front and we knelt down at the altar. And this pastor came up to us and he said, uh, what can I do? What, how do you want me to pray? And we said, look, we're starting ministry next month and we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot carry the burden of the people. We cannot carry the mission of God. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he laid his hands on us and he said, uh, Father, we now ask that you would fill this young couple with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And he walked away. And I'm kneeling there and I go, hey, and he goes, yes? And I go, am I filled? He said, yes, you're filled. I go, are you sure? He said, yes, you receive it by faith. I go, what about her? Is she filled? I didn't say, she really needs to be filled. No, I didn't say that, okay? <laughs> I said, what about her? Oh, she's filled too. I go, are you sure? Now, again, you know, we in the Alliance were a little scared, Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, I think we're a little afraid of wildfire, and sometimes we're so afraid of wildfire, there's no fire at all. And he was nervous. You know, he didn't want us to break into tongues or anything crazy. You know, she bought a Honda, she bought a Yamaha. 
I tie my bow tie, I untie my bow tie. You know, I mean, I, I mean, he was, he, I wonder if that's the first time that's ever happened on this stage. Anyhow, sorry, okay. So, so he was nervous. And, and he says, he said, no, 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 no. There's no evidence. No, 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 no. Just receive by faith. Now, please hear me, folks. I believe there should be multiple evidences that the Holy Spirit has filled us. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. I'm uncomfortable nailing it down to any one evidence. But I gotta tell you something. I think there should be some evidence. I think you should know that the Spirit has met you. You see, the old timers knew that you had to pray through until the answer came. And so this guy said, no, 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 you're filled. Well, we get up, we left. The next day, we got in a big argument, my wife and I. And I turned to her in the middle of the argument and I said, nothing happened to you. <laughs> and don't feel bad for her because she gave it right back to me. She says, nothing happened to you either. And I went, I know. But I'll tell you what that did do. That made us begin to hunger and pursue God. You see, I've read a lot of books over the year on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and some of them are just not that helpful. I mean, some of them are, you have to pray, you have to confess all known sin, you have to read your Bible, you have to fast, you have to you do, and I remember thinking, man, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to do all that stuff. <laughs> but I do think there is a prerequisite, and you know what it is? It's hunger. If you can live without more of him, you will live without more of him. But if you get to the place like Moses, that you say, God, there's got to be more. Father, I come to you. I need a fresh anointing. Like John Barker, I need more of you. I believe he has filling for you. Well, that February that followed, I went to a conference, and I'll make a long story short, there was a conference on the filling of the Holy Spirit outside of our denomination, and I was pastoring in Connecticut. The conference was in California. And I flew out to this conference, and on Monday night, I went forward to the altar. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this man came up to me, and he had a tag around his neck, a badge, and it said, ministry team member. His name was Joe. And, uh, and he walked up to me, and he said, young man, are you ready to be filled with the love of the Father? And I went, yep, I'm ready. And he went, no, nope, you're not ready. Come back tomorrow. Maybe I'll pray for you tomorrow. And he moved on. <laughs> so I come back the next night. I come to the front. He comes up to me. Joe, ministry team member, are you ready to be filled with the love of the Father? Yes, I'm ready. Nah, you're not ready. Come back tomorrow. Maybe I'll pray for you tomorrow. <laughs> he moves on. I'm like, who trained you to be on the ministry team? <laughs> Just get back here and at least give me something. Pray that I get ready, you know? I mean, <laughs> Nothing. He walks away. So he does this to me Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. By Wednesday night, I'm ready to punch the guy to prove I needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. So Thursday night, Friday night, it's the last night of this conference. I got to go back to Connecticut. I can't go back to Connecticut without God touching me. And so I go to the front last night, and I'm actually hiding behind some people, hoping that anybody else would come besides this guy, Joe, because... He was not working for me, okay? <laughs> so I'm standing up in the front. He shows up, Joe. Folks, this is uh, February of 1987, 31 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And he came up to me that night and he said, son, are you ready to be filled with the love of the Father? And that night, when I went to say yes, I broke and I just started to sob. And he went, ah, you're ready. And he put his arms around me. Now, what I'm about to share with you is descriptive, not prescriptive. Please remember that. Because when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, 
One of the dangers is we try to prescribe it to everybody else. This is what it looked like for me. This is what it will look like for you. And folks, I want to tell you, sometimes he comes like a mighty rushing wind. Sometimes he comes like a gentle dove. And the danger is don't ever prescribe. Just describe what he's done in you and let God be God and let him touch people the way he wants to touch them. Well, when he prayed, Father, fill him, it was like the top of my head got pulled off and the love of God just got poured into me. And I stood there for about an hour just feeling like I am loved by the Father God. And uh, I didn't fall over. I just laughed and I cried and I laughed and I cried. And the next day I flew home to Connecticut and I got off the flight and Wanda met me and she looked at me and she said, what happened to you? (laughs) And I said, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, do we believe in that? (laughs) I said, we do now. It's amazing. (laughs) It's funny. Last night, Steve and I were praying for a young lady, just got saved a month ago, and and she stood there, and the joy of the Lord came on her, and I said, that's the Holy Spirit. You're being filled. She goes, it's wonderful. (laughs) She goes, I feel like I could laugh. I feel like I could cry. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, Wanda and I went back to a conference in California that summer because we thought God lived in California. (laughs) Because there just wasn't a whole lot happening in Connecticut, you know? It was a pretty dry and thirsty land, okay? And so we went out there, and this guy, Joe, and his wife met us at the conference, and they said, we want to pray for you, this young couple. We want to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit in your marriage. And so Joe got behind me and Sue, his wife, got behind Wanda and they said, Father, would you baptize? Jesus, would you baptize this young couple in the spirit? And I want to tell you something. God met Wanda and I in a way that has stayed with us for 31 years. You see, we always seek the Lord individually, but I believe we should seek the Lord as husbands and wives for a fresh baptism on our marriages? How about as families, for a fresh baptism on our families? And how about, just like Acts 2, when it was a group of people that got filled, how about we say, Holy Spirit, fill Salem Alliance Church. When we, when we go out into the streets, may the people of Salem go, what are they serving at that church? <laughs> are these people drunk with wine? And then you guys will have shirts that say, it's nine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Acts 2.15, stand with me. Ask the worship team to come. Hmm. Listen, uh, my kids are now in their 20s. But when they were in their teens, they would always come up to me with requests. And you know what they would ask for. If you've had a teenager, they would ask for either money or the keys to the car. (laughs) And when they would come up, they would often uh, join their verbal request with body language. And the body language was this. Hey, Dad, I have need. You have the supply. Fork it over, okay? And they didn't always ask with great reverence and sensitivity. (laughs) But now that they're in their 20s, and don't tell them I said this, but I miss that. I miss those days. Because when your kids come to you and they express their need, it triggers your father's heart. And, you know, Jesus said, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more 
How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So would you be like my kids and would you just put out your hands to your Abba today? Hey, Dad. Hey, Papa. Your kids have need. We can't carry the burden that you've given us on our own. We can't do it. Lord, we can't carry the mission of God and life right now is overwhelming us and so Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh on us today? On Pentecost Sunday, 2018, we're the ones Peter was talking about, those who are far off, but today you're not far off, you're here. So Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us right now. He's here, friends. He's here. Yeah, let him touch you. Love of God, flood. Love of God, wash over your kids right now. For some of you right now, you can feel his presence like you're under a waterfall of his joy, of his love. Just receive it. Others of you, it's more of a quiet anointing. It's almost like the dew of heaven dripping on you. Others of you, you feel like maybe you're in a Monday through Thursday mode where, like me, you weren't quite ready and the Lord's getting you ready. Well, that's okay. So Jesus, would you get us ready for everything you have? Would you touch us? Would you fill us? And as we worship, would you now just fill Salem Alliance? Do something in this church that cannot be explained by programs or human plans. Do something that would awaken Salem to say, what's up with those people? What is that? And whatever it is, we have to have it. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's worship him. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.